BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to the Science of Success with your host, Matt Bonner. Welcome to the Science of Success. I'm your host, Matt Bodner. I'm an entrepreneur and investor in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm obsessed with the mindset of success and the psychology of performance. I've read hundreds of books, conducted countless hours of research and study, and I'm going to take you on a journey into the human mind and what makes peak performers tick. With a focus on always having our discussions rooted in psychological research and scientific fact, not opinion. In this episode, we discuss how you can tap into your subconscious mind and reprogram it the eight-step process for overcoming anxiety and conquering your fears, how to stop a panic attack in real time, how to get deeper sleep, the power of hypnosis, and much more with Justin Stenstrom. The Science of Success continues to grow with more than 750,000 downloads, listeners in over 100 countries, hitting number one new noteworthy, and more. I get a lot of listener comments and emails all the time asking me, Matt, how do you organize and remember all this incredible information? A lot of our listeners are curious about how I keep track of all the incredible knowledge I get from reading hundreds of books, interviewing amazing experts, listening to awesome podcasts, and more. Because of that, we created an epic resource just for you, a detailed guide called How to Organize and Remember Everything. And you can get it completely free by texting the word SMARTER to the number 44222. Again, it's a guide we created called How to Organize and Remember Everything. And all you have to do to get it is to text the word SMARTER, that's S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222. Or go to scienceofsuccess.co, that's scienceofsuccess.co, and put in your email. In our previous episode, we discussed pride and why it may not be the deadly sin that it's often cracked up to be. We dig into how the research defines pride, examine the critical distinction between self-esteem and narcissism, the deep importance of being able to accept criticism, and look at the difference between strategies of dominance and strategies of prestige with Dr. Jessica Tracy. If you want to explore this deadly sin, listen to that episode. Today, we have another exciting guest on the show, Justin Stenstrom. 
Justin is a nationally acclaimed life coach, author, entrepreneur, and speaker. He's the founder of EliteManMagazine.com, the host of the Elite Man podcast. At Elite Man, Justin focuses on helping men become better, more fulfilled versions of themselves in every aspect of their lives, from dating to relationships to finding success in business. Justin's work has been featured in the Huffington Post, Lifehacker, Maxim, and many other publications. Justin, welcome to the Science of Success. Matt, thanks so much for having me, man. I'm excited. Well, we're very excited to have you on. So for listeners who may not be familiar with you and kind of know about you, tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of gave the, the bullet point rundown sort of what I do. So I help guys out on the site, Elite Man Magazine. I help them from pretty much everything under the sun, whether that's dating, relationship advice, business advice, health, fitness, even fashion. We bring on like fashion experts and stuff to talk about men's style. So pretty much any manly sort of issue or topic that comes up. We try to give the best advice to guys and just kind of steer them in the right direction. And this all happened for me. I mean, it, this is kind of my backbone of like what I love doing. I've, I've been in love with self-help and sort of this whole self-help world for the past 10 years. And it started with like my journey of overcoming major depression, anxiety, and panic attack issues. And it took me a couple of years to get over that. But once I kind of figured that out, you know, the sky was the limit. I started really tackling like all sorts of problems in my life, whether that was social skills, building relationships, connecting and meeting and dating women and different things like that. And I really started to kind of get good at those things. And, you know, from there, I, I began helping other people, other guys in particular who were going through the same problems. And shortly after that is, you know, kind of makes sense. I had my first blog and then the Elite Man Magazine concept came right after that. So tell me a little bit about elite man, you know, what is it about and what kind of drove you to create it? The inspiration to create it really just came from my own personal struggles. As I mentioned, like having those sort of deep seated problems with anxiety and getting three to four panic attacks a week and depressed to the point where I was like suicidal. I had, I had suicidal thoughts constantly. So it came from actually a lot of pain and hardship in my life that had built up for a number of years. And then also the point in my life, like, you know, this is back when I was about 17, 18 years old, where a lot of the time, you know, people that age, teenagers are having fun, you know, they're going out, they're hanging out with their friends, they're going to parties, they're going to homecoming dances and all that stuff. And I was, you know, sitting at home every single day, like going crazy because I had nothing to do. And I was totally depressed because I had literally like no one to talk to. So it came with like problems with like my dating life, which was a huge thing. I didn't even kiss a girl. So I was like, 18 years old. I didn't hook up with a girl until like after high school. And, you know, all these problems that I had in my life, as much as it sucked, like at the time, as horrible as it was to live through all these experiences at the time, looking back now, it was actually a blessing in disguise because it was like sort of the linchpin to putting me on this journey to like basically a wake up call to say, you know, Justin, you got to figure things out and really you know, fix your life and fix these problems. And from that point forward, like I've never looked back and just wanted to keep growing and bettering myself and then obviously helping others do the same. I think that's the struggle that, you know, many of our listeners have dealt with. And, and I've definitely dealt with anxiety in my own life. I'd love to hear a little bit more about kind of your struggle and how you ultimately overcame, you know, the depression and anxiety to become, you know, somebody who's healthy and happy and, and kind of well-functioning in society. Yeah, absolutely, man. So I typically have about eight steps. Sometimes I, I cover a little more, a little less, but eight steps that I use to conquer my fears and anxiety. And if you want, I can kind of 
run through them quickly. And if you want to maybe touch on a couple of the specific ones, we can sort of delve into them a little more in depth. Does that sound good, man? Yeah, that sounds perfect. Okay, cool. So I'll just kind of run right through them. So the first step is realize that you're not going crazy and that there's a lot of solutions, not just one, but potentially millions, thousands, whatever. There's so many different solutions out there to your problems. And this can be specific for something like anxiety or fears or anything else in general. A lot of the time people underestimate the fact that there's so many solutions out there. And a lot of the time they don't realize that there actually you know, is so many ways to figuring out you know, what's happening to them. So that's step number one is realize that you're not going crazy. And, and we're talking specifically with anxiety here or your fears or panic attacks, whichever, they're kind of interchangeable. But realize you're not going crazy and that there's many solutions out there. That's step number one. Number two is do a combination or even just one of these three things. And the three things are meditation, yoga, and hypnosis. And in particular, I like to use hypnosis. I mean, meditation and yoga, the research on that is incredible. Like you can look up so many different research papers and studies on the efficacy of these things. But in particular, I like hypnosis. And that's what I use to to help me overcome my panic attacks of getting them three to four times. It was one of the biggest things I used was self-hypnosis, actually. Step number three was living in the present moment. I'm a big Eckhart Tolle fan. And, you know, a lot of the time people who have anxiety, who get panic attacks, they often project themselves into the future. They worry about what's going to happen tomorrow or the next week or, you know, a couple of years from now. And this builds up a lot of anxiety and stress in their minds. And also, on the contrary, sort of living in the past, worrying about or regretting things, I should say, that you've done or maybe missed out on or things that you think you should have done or should have had, that leads to a lot of depression. So living in what's happening right now is the solution to both. You just live with what's in front of you, like what's going on right now keeps you constantly aware of what's happening and and not kind of falling into that trap of going too far in the future or thinking about the past. Number four is, you know, this is kind of an obvious one, but it's exercising four to five times a week is typically the standard I recommend to a lot of clients I have and people who want to just kind of have an overall better feeling exercise. The, the research on that obviously is incredible too. the biochemical changes in your body and the neurotransmitters and the hormones and all that stuff just get into sort of the way they're supposed to be when you exercise frequently. Like, as human beings, our ancestors for hundreds of thousands of years were constantly moving around, working throughout the day. You know, maybe they weren't picking up dumbbells and curling them, but they were constantly active. And sort of in our 2016, 2017 lives today, Matt, we're so opposite of this. We're so sedentary sitting in our lap. And I even fall into this trap sometimes. I got to remind myself, but we're so sedentary and not doing enough to physically move around. So that's number four. Number five is improving your sleep. Most people do best between seven to nine hours of sleep. Unfortunately, most people get nowhere near that amount on average throughout the week. So it's really important to improve your sleep. Again, this will help you with your hormone levels, your melatonin, your serotonin, some of the other neurotransmitters that can often lead to problems with anxiety. So that's number five. Number six is improving your diet, getting the good fats, good proteins, good carbs into your system, in particular, fats like fish oil. The studies on fish oil for depression, anxiety, I mean, that's a game changer in and of itself. But improving, you know, your carb intake and lowering things like starchy carbs, like your bagels, your rice, your pasta, et cetera. And then, of course, like good proteins, lean protein, you know, lean steak, chicken, eggs, et cetera. Step number seven is taking supplements when necessary. 
magnesium, B complex, vitamin D, valerian root, niacin, which is one of the specific forms of, of B complex. These are all proven to dramatically improve your stress levels. And actually, even taking one of these, like a magnesium supplement, can by itself help you overcome anxiety problems. And I mean, that's really, really powerful and also very safe. Like these are all really safe alternatives to, say, antidepressant medication or anti-anxiety medications. And the eighth step, and this is one of the most important steps as well, is a little technique, a three-step technique I borrowed from a, a book called Panic Away by a guy named, he has a pseudonym, his name was Joe Barry, but I think he goes by the name of Barry McDonough, something like that. And it's just a little 30-page ebook I read about 10 years ago. And the quick little three-step process is for anyone who's getting a panic attack, you typically want to run away from it, you want to hide from it, suppress it, or ignore it. But in this process, this technique, step number one, you do nothing at all. Like You don't react at all. You just kind of sit back and observe what's happening. You sit back and observe the fear, the panic symptoms you're having, and just kind of take it all in and don't react. Step number two is actually welcoming the panic in. Like you welcome the fear in that you're having. You have this dialogue in your head. You literally say like, you know, welcome back fear or welcome back panic or welcome back tightness in my chest or sweaty palms. Like typically the sensations you're getting when you're having a panic attack, you start welcoming all these things back. And the third step is you call for more of it. You literally say in your head, like, give me more of this panic. Give me more of this fear. Give me more of these panic attacks, this tightness in my chest this shortness of breath, these sweaty palms, these shaky legs, whatever the sensations or feelings that you're having, you literally ask for more of it. And this is such an empowering yet counterintuitive approach to handling a panic attack or anxiety. What happens within a few minutes, Matt, is that the panic literally just dissipates, like it completely goes away within a few moments because what you're doing is you're pretty much exposing the panic sort of the irrational fears that you're having for what it is. And that's, you know, what it is. It's, it's just totally an irrational concoction in your mind of something that you're projecting to happen in the future. And you're basically putting it up to the light. And what happens when you put it up to the light? It goes away and it reveals itself really as, as nothing. And like FDR himself said it best, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. And using this technique was one of the most empowering things I've ever done. So those are the eight steps kind of in a nutshell. But if you want to kind of dive into any one of them, let me know, man. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'd love to I'd love to dial into a number of these actually. There's there's so many different <laughs> things I want to touch on. So we'll just start kind of at the beginning. I'd love to hear more about hypnosis. I really haven't heard much about that as as sort of an intervention for anxiety. I'm really curious to learn about, you know, how that's been effective for you and also specifically I'd love to dig into self-hypnosis and kind of what that is and maybe how to practice it. Love it, man. So <laughs> Hypnosis is actually one of my favorite things to talk about, so I'm glad you brought that one up. So I like to use this analogy. I'll talk about hypnosis, but I want to quickly give an analogy of, of how it can work and why it's effective. So say you have this child, you know, six, seven, eight years old, whatever. He's going to school. He's getting bullied. You know, he's getting called all kinds of mean names. He's getting called fat, ugly, a loser, et cetera, like all these just nasty things, and he's getting picked on and bullied all the time. His environment is obviously a very negative environment. His stimulus to his brain, to his mind, is very negative. All the inputs that are coming into his brain are negative. So what's going to happen at this point? He's going to have negative outputs. He's going to have a low self-esteem. He's going to think poorly about himself. He's going to think he's a loser. He's going to probably develop some sort of anxiety problem, depression problem. 
So obviously the best thing would be to take this child and remove him from that negative environment and place him into a different environment. But sometimes that doesn't help. I mean, sometimes it helps, but other times it's not enough. And so what's happening when he's getting all this stimuli from his environment is it's going directly to his subconscious mind. And the subconscious mind is the part of your mind. It's actually the most powerful part of your mind. You have your conscious mind and your subconscious mind. The subconscious mind is the most powerful part of your mind and it controls your feelings. It controls your emotions. It controls your bodily rhythms, like your heartbeat, your blood pressure, things that you can't consciously control. That's what your subconscious mind controls. So this child's subconscious mind has all this negative input, as I mentioned. His output is then going to be negative as well. Like I said, he's going to have anxiety, low self-esteem, low confidence, et cetera. And you can't consciously, like I said, control this part. You can't just say, you know, Johnny, eight-year-old young Johnny, who's getting bullied, you know, just snap your fingers and, you know, say you're going to be happy and you're going to be happy all of a sudden, or, you know, snap your fingers and you're not going to be anxious anymore and you're going to lose all your fears. You can't just consciously do that. But what you can do is use something, a technique like hypnosis or something similar to it, where you can then tap into that subconscious mind and actually reprogram it. And it's very, very effective for things like reprogramming your feelings and your emotions. And you do this by getting into a very, very super relaxed state of mind where you're very calm, very just like peaceful and, and completely without worry and without stress. And you're listening. And for me, I was listening to a hypnosis CD by a guy. Named, I mean, there's so many out there, but the guy I listened to in particular was a guy named Dr. Andrew Dobson. And he had like CDs and they're only like 25, 30 minutes usually. But I was listening to a CD and I, it takes you through this sort of hypnotic induction where you're getting into a super relaxed state of mind. And then he takes you sort of into trance of what they call it in, in sort of the hypnosis world where you're just like, it's almost like a state in between consciousness and in between sleep. If you're fully conscious, it's not working. And if you're sleeping, it's not working. It's in that in between state where you're kind of like aware of what's happening, but you're not really thinking about it. So you get into the state of mind, this hypnotic state of mind. And all of a sudden for the next 20, 25 minutes, the hypnotist on the CD or whether it's in person too, because you can do that is feeding you positive affirmations. And these positive affirmations, like I said, aren't just like you consciously saying, like, I want to be happy. It's hitting the part of your brain, that subconscious part of your brain, of your mind, that you can't control. But it's working because it's sort of reprogramming and reconditioning your mind to feel good again. So it's going to say things like, you're grateful for everything you have, you're happy, you're healthy, you have a great family, or you know, you release all your problems with worry and stress and, you know, the anxiety that creeps up now slowly sort of drifts away from your body and your mind. And, you know, it doesn't work right away, but over a certain period of time, like a couple of weeks, usually about three, four weeks, it's really going to kick in. And these changes over time are going to be really effective. And something like hypnosis, like I said, is great for problems like anxiety, depression, works wonders for people who want to quit smoking, lose weight, have better eating habits all sorts of things like that, it's very effective for him. For me, it was really effective for ending my panic attacks and also decreasing my overall sort of stress and anxiety. So in that kind of three to four week period where you're, say, you know, listening to a, a hypnosis CD, what's the frequency that you're doing that? Is it daily? Is it twice a week? How often are you doing it? Yeah, I was doing it daily and I recommend anyone who's looking to try it do it daily as well. They say, two to three times a week, you can kind of get away with. But I, I really suggest doing it daily. It worked for me. It works for a lot of my clients who I recommend it to. And like I said, it's really only like a 20, 
25, maybe 30 minute commitment. And I think first thing in the morning, I mean, you just get up, add that to your daily routine. First thing in the morning, it's like 30 minutes, boom, and then you're done with it. Do it every single day. You're going to see some serious changes after about three, four weeks. That's really fascinating. And it, and it reminds me a little bit of some of the ways that you can kind of reprogram limiting beliefs in your subconscious, you know, kind of speaking and tapping directly into the subconscious and, and sending it, you know, communications that sort of bypass the conscious mind. So that's something that's really fascinating. And, and I'm very happy that you brought it up because, like I said, I really haven't heard much about it at all in this context. And it's something that I think is really fascinating. Going down the list, I'd love to dig into sleep. Tell me about, you know, we've talked a little bit in the past about on the show about blue blocking glasses and kind of the importance of things like that. But I'd love to hear your prescription for how to create more effective sleep, how to sleep better, and how listeners can sort of practically implement some ideas to get better sleep. Yeah. So actually, I, I recently got those blue blocking glasses as well, like not the Swannies or whatever. I had James Swanick on, on my show recently as well. I'm not the Swannies, but the other kind of cheaper one on Amazon. I kind of hate to throw James under the bus because he has a great product. But the other ones I got were like 15 bucks. And I think they're pretty cool. I think those work really well because the science behind that, the blocking blue light thing is really cool. Like the blue light keeps you up, keeps you like more alert. So if you can take that out, and a lot of us kind of do a lot of work and stuff as, you know, as the night goes on. And I think if you can take that blue light out, it does sort of relax your mind. That's one of the ways to do it. Removing artificial light as much as possible before sleep. A couple of things that I recommend, though. One is make sure you do nothing on your bed other than having sex and going to sleep. And it's really kind of an important one, but it's also a tough one to do because a lot of people want to sort of do work on their bed, or they want to sit up and watch TV for hours on their bed, or they want to play games, or they want to be on their cell phone. Those are things that you sort of get into this condition, and you condition your brain and your mind and all sorts of things you do. And that's kind of just how we are as human beings. We're always conditioning, retraining, reprogramming ourselves. But you want to program your brain to have sort of the, the healthy daily routine of doing something that's going to benefit you. And, and to do this, you really have to cut out all the junk. You have to cut out all the other stuff you're doing. When you go to bed, like train your mind, sort of like an NLP technique, like anchoring, anchoring yourself when you go into bed to know that it's either sex and then you're rolling over and going to sleep or it's literally you're just laying down and you're going to sleep and that's it. And it's really important to do that because when you start to do all these other things, you're conditioning, you're training, you're anchoring your mind to not want to be asleep or maybe to be alert when you go to bed even, which is pretty much the worst thing you can do. So that's really like step number one for that. The other thing is, as I mentioned too, like cell phone usage and TV usage prior to bed is, is one of the worst things you can do. Whether that's blue light or whether that's honestly just looking at things that may excite you or entice you or get your mind thinking, those are things that you really don't want to do. Even reading a book, I mean, from time to time, I'll read a book and I think it's actually kind of good because it'll put me to sleep if it's like a fiction book. But if it's something like self-help or like deep work or like something really thought-provoking, I won't read it because it's going to sort of put the wheels and gear in my brain and it's going to get me excited and it's going to keep me up a lot longer than I want to be. So I make sure, in particular, I cut out all cell phone usage, cut out TV usage. Those are things that are going to stimulate my brain, stimulate my mind and get the wheels churning in my head. So I make sure I cut that out about hour and a half, two hours before I go to bed and I set my alarm way in advance so I don't have to kind of worry about, you know, going back and resetting it or looking through my phone. You know, I pop it up 
And all of a sudden I have a couple emails on there I have to read or a couple texts. And the other big thing too is making sure your phone is on silent. And actually I recommend putting it away from your bed. So when you have that alarm and it goes off, you actually have to physically get out of bed. So which is another thing is, you know, hitting that snooze button and, you know, hitting it like 10 times where you're kind of delaying your your um, sleep, but you're not really sleeping good, but you're kind of just delaying it and it's kind of like messing it up. And you get into that habit of thinking like, oh, I'm, you know, I slept 30 minutes longer, but it really wasn't 30 minutes. It was like 30 crappy minutes that really didn't do much for you and only kind of made you tired and, you know, drowsy, you know, kind of dragging when you got up. So putting the phone on silent, make sure you do that. I mean, that's a big one, kind of an obvious one. But if you're having, you know, your phone vibrate or make sounds in the middle of the night, that's obviously going to disturb your sleep. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't do that, but putting it on silent, putting it away from the bed, making sure you stay away from it for an hour and a half, two hours before you go to bed. Another thing I like to do is I have blackout curtains in my room. I'm kind of a night owl, which means that, you know, I stay up a little later than I should, but I do kind of make up and I, I get up a little later too during the day. I'm not an early bird, never have been. I probably never will be as much as I want to be, but I have these blackout curtains that turns my room dark and it's, you know, that's kind of the best way we sleep is, is having that room as dark as possible. So I have that. Uh, I recommend that too for anyone who kind of has, you know, a third shift or someone like me who maybe stays up a little later to like one, two in the morning. The other thing is making sure the temperature's right. Like 69, 70 degrees is like perfect temperature for sleep. It's not too hot where you're going to be rolling around, sweating. It's not too cold where you're going to be shivering. 69 is probably like the ideal temp to, to shoot for. And then the other thing is if you live in a noisy apartment complex or you have potentially noisy neighbors or maybe the outside you live next to a highway or you're a busy street, you want to maybe think about getting something like a white noise machine. And this is basically like a sound conditioning machine that trains you to just hearing this sort of fan-like sound in the background and getting used to that. I mean, it takes a couple nights, like two, three nights to get used to. But once you get used to that, all outside sound seems to like go away. And I've been using that for probably eight, nine years now too. And that's done wonders for my sleep because it's trained me to just like focus on the background sound of that white noise and really not disturb my sleep from outside sounds and, you know, my environment. So those are a few tips, man. I hope they help out a little bit. No, I think those are great tips. You know, I've personally implemented a number of those, including blackout shades and trying to have some sort of white noise that kind of helps drown out other sound effects. I'm curious, and I, you may not have sort of a prescription for this, but I'm curious, you know, I, I don't have any trouble falling asleep, but sometimes I'll wake up at like three in the morning and my mind will just be like racing and I can't, you know, and it takes me like 45 minutes to fall back asleep. Have you ever had that experience? And if so, do you think, you know, would any of these strategies be effective for that? Or have you found anything that is effective for that? Yeah, that definitely does happen to me too from time to time. There's a couple of different ways to look at it. Every once in a while, I'll get that and I'll be like hungry. And that's like, I think the reason I'll get up or something. And as much as I hate to do it, sometimes I'll just get up and I'll have like a little snack just to, to make sure like my stomach's not talking to me and, you know, my stomach's my insides aren't hurting. I'll have a little snack. And then believe it or not, this actually helps me go back to sleep as much as, you know, all the fitness guys listening or, you know, the personal trainers out there will say, you know, never eat whatever, you know, in the middle of your sleep or at night, late at night. I've done this, you know, a few times. I do it from time to time and it actually helps me go to sleep because it kind of just like relaxes me again and I don't have to worry about being hungry. That's one of the ways to look at it or potentially having something like tea and some honey kind of like relaxing your your chest and, you know, your throat and et cetera. Something like that. Maybe chamomile tea, which is supposedly good for sleep. 
The other thing, though, is that I also kind of do on the contrary, and this kind of totally goes against everything I've said. A couple of those times where I've been woken up in the middle of the night and my you know thoughts are racing or I have like my brain's just kind of active, like very active and just thinking about all sorts of things. A few of those times I've actually just said, you know what, screw it. I'm obviously not going back to sleep. I've tried for, you know, half hour, an hour, whatever. I'm rolling around. I'll actually just get up and I'll do some work. You know, I'll get up and literally like go off my bed and go over to the other room and open up my computer and just start working. And a few of the times, <laughs> believe it or not, I've actually done some of the best work I like ever have done because I don't know if it was like, you know, meant to be or whatever, but I, I was woken up in that moment. And my mind had like some idea in it. And I just put that to work and, you know, whatever. I think it was ended up when I ended up writing like my second book. I ended up writing like three chapters in a row or something in one of those nights. And a couple of the other times, actually, I did work for a little bit. And then I got tired again doing work. So I went back to sleep. I mean, you can kind of handle it in a couple of different ways, really depending on what you want to do. But the thing I want to say is like a, a couple of times I have done this. Don't necessarily think it's like the worst thing in the world or it's such a horrible thing because once in a while you get up and your mind's racing and you have like all these ideas you can't put to sleep. Sometimes putting those things in action is maybe it's like it's meant to be like you maybe were meant to be up that moment. So, you know, why not act on it? That's really interesting. And I think it dovetails with the advice of sort of treating your bed as a place that you condition your mind for sleep. I've heard the advice before that, you know, essentially if you if you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't fall back asleep after you know, let's say 20 or 30 minutes, you should get up because otherwise you're sort of messing with that programming and treating your bed as a place that you, you know, do things other than sleep in. But the midnight snack advice is actually fascinating. And I may try that next time this happens to me, because what I've personally noticed is I have this two or three days a week, I'll get up really early, like at 5am and go to the gym and train. And I'll have a protein shake when I do that. And so like, I guess I'm sort of priming my body on some days to eat super early in the morning. And then in a day when I'm trying to sleep in a little bit longer, it'll wake up at like 5 a.m. and be like, where's my protein? So, you know, maybe having a little midnight snack could be a solution for something like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Edu slash podcast. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. 
The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hiring the right person takes time, time that you often don't have. But you shouldn't let a time crunch get in the way of finding the right candidates for your business. That's why LinkedIn is the best place to post your job. In fact, I was on LinkedIn Jobs this morning looking for candidates to fill a key role in one of my businesses. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with hard and soft skills you're looking for so that you can hire the right person quickly. You can look for things like collaboration, creativity, and adaptability, looking beyond just work skills and resumes to connect you with the candidates who are a perfect match for your business. That's how LinkedIn makes sure that your job post gets in front of the people you actually want to hire because they have a much better ability to get a deep insight into exactly who is the right candidate for you and your business. Find the right person meant for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and the first $50 is on them. Just visit linkedin.com slash success. Again, that's linkedin.com slash success to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. So that dovetails a little bit. I'd, I'd love to get a few pointers in terms of kind of dietary interventions to deal with anxiety. You touched on the importance of fish oil and some other supplements. I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts about ways to improve your diet and, and kind of maybe some of the science or the research behind why these dietary interventions potentially can help with things like anxiety and depression. Yeah, absolutely, man. So Typically, I mean, what you're putting into your body is, I mean, this kind of goes back to as well as like the inputs from the mind, you know, the subconscious mind controls all. If you have negative inputs throughout the day to your subconscious mind, your outputs are going to be negative. Like going back to that example with with poor Johnny getting bullied. (laughs) Same thing goes with your diet. What you put into your body is exactly what you're going to have for your output. Your inputs are going to be your outputs. The Greek philosopher Hippocrates said, let thy food be thy medicine and thy medicine be thy food. Literally, he knew thousands of years ago the power of food. Like if you put the right amounts of food or the right types of food into your body, it will heal you. It will make you feel better. It will give you energy. It will just lift up your mood in every possible way and make you optimal as a human being. On the contrary, if you feed it junk, if you feed it garbage, if you feed it McDonald's, if you feed it, you know, Burger King, Wendy's, all this junk and crap out there that is so prevalent in America and, and some of the other more advanced countries in the world, unfortunately, what you're going to have is a lot of crap and negative output as well. And it's just going to bring down your mood. It's going to mess up the neurotransmitters in your brain. You know, your serotonin may drop, your testosterone may drop, your cortisol will go up, the stress hormone which dictates a lot of these things that we're talking about here, like your anxiety levels, the fat storage in your body, like even sleep too, by the way. If you don't get enough sleep, your cortisone levels go up, your melatonin levels 
get out of whack. You start to store fat. Your HGH, your hormone production, your, your human growth hormone gets out of whack as well. You, you have less of that. And so you start to store more fat and then you store more fat and this fat creates different problems as well. And it just kind of adds up and it snowballs. And you know, the more you eat, the more junk you're putting into your body, the more crappy fats from that double cheeseburger at McDonald's or the you know, poor quality protein that that burger has in it or all the carbs from the bread. All those things that you're putting into your body just adds up and snowballs effects. It just gets worse and worse and worse. And the more you do it, the worse you're going to be. You know, the worse your body reacts to it and then your body starts to develop all these negative habits and starts to store fat and stores more fat. And, the, you know, they say it's harder to lose fat once you start to put it on than it is to stay in shape. So it's better to keep that off and not get into that position in the first place. Literally, like when you're eating, you're just literally taking your body and breaking it down, like from your brain to your heart to the rest of the organs in your body, your liver, even your muscles, and then of course like fat around your midsection, all that stuff. Like it just literally breaks down over time. And the way to optimize it is to have, as I mentioned before, good fats, good protein, and good carbs. And typically I recommend, I have a background in personal training. I like to keep it very simple. And I always recommend it about 50% carbs, 30% protein, and 20% fat. And the carbs, again, these were fibrous carbs, vegetables, you know, kale, broccoli, cabbage, and avoiding as much as possible those starchy carbs, those sort of useless carbs that your body can't take in and actually be productive with. So avoiding the pasta, the bagel, the rice, the bread, all that stuff, as much as possible avoiding that, you're going to see a lot better results. And that's carbs. Protein, again, chicken, lean steak, fish. Fish is huge. I, I live on like tuna. Tuna is one of my favorite snacks. Greek yogurts are great for you. And the fats, the fish oils of the world, you know, the omega-3s, the olive oil, the coconut oil, all those things are incredible for your brain. Your brain is built primarily of fatty acids and fatty tissue. The more you can supply it with fatty acids, you're basically just giving it like gas in your gas tank. And of course, your brain controls your entire body. I mean, we've been talking about it a lot in this episode. Your brain is, is the primary controller of everything you feel and all your emotions. And if you can basically just give it and provide it the resources, the energy that it needs to function optimally, you're going to be much better off. And by doing that, you know, the omega-3s, getting that balance of omega-3, omega-6, omega-9, we typically take too much omega-6, omega-9 from the normal diet we have in Western society. That's why it's good to optimize and supplement with things like omega-3 to get the ratio back into balance. Like innately, just by itself, omega-6, omega-9 is not bad for you. But the fact that we have way too much of it, like way too much of anything will kill you. Even way too much water you can overdose and die from. Way too much omega-6, omega-3 will kill you. It will break down your body slowly over time. And that's what a lot of people do. So optimizing that omega-3 and getting the ratio, the balance back to normal is typically the best way to go. So supplementing with things like fish oil, krill oil, taking coconut oil, even having that on like a spread or cooking with it is great. And doing that every day, like I said, will do wonders for your brain and your body. One of the supplements that you mentioned was magnesium. And I've heard a number of different sources, everybody from kind of bodybuilders on down kind of talk about magnesium and why it's an important supplement. The struggle that I've had is, and I don't know if you've ever had this with taking it, but like every time I've taken a magnesium supplement, it makes me extremely nauseous. I don't know if you've ever had that experience or have any particular kind of guidance in terms of how to overcome that. Yeah, I haven't had that personally, 
Do you know by chance what brand it was and also what form it was? I don't know the brand, but I remember it was like a big pill that was kind of like a dry-ish pill, if that makes sense. It wasn't like a gel cap or anything. It was like a solid vitamin-looking yeah, pill. I know what you mean. So typically what I'll recommend is, and, and magnesium actually, one of the things it's actually good for, which I thought you were going to say is it's good for constipation. So anyone who's having constipation, it loosens up the bowels and you can actually go to the bathroom if you're constipated. So it's a really good sort of constipation relief supplement. The nauseousness though could be anything from poor quality brand, which there's so many out there. If you're going to your local grocery store or even supplement store, even like a GNC supplement store, I always do not recommend going to. As much as they're like mainstream and they're popular, they typically have horrible quality supplements, like some of the worst ones out there. So it could have been anything from the supplement brand or potentially it could have been the form of the magnesium, which the worst form of magnesium and actually, unfortunately, the most popular form of magnesium is magnesium oxide. And if I had to guess, I, I would say the pill you took was probably a magnesium oxide. I mean, I could be wrong on that, but I guess I think the majority of them are oxides. The form you want to take, there's a few different ones, but the best one or one of the best ones is magnesium citrate. And this is a lot easier for your stomach to handle. It's also a lot easier to go down. A couple of brands to potentially think about getting maybe next time for some of your listeners. The Now Brands is actually a really good quality brand. Life Extensions is a really good one. And I mean, there's some of the other ones out there, like independent ones like Raw. Raw Foods is a good supplement brand, but there's a, there's a few like independent, like organic sort of brands out there that are less mainstream than some of your, say, GNC brands or your Vitamin World or Puritan Pride brands. Like those are the ones that are typically in like the grocery store. And those are like the worst ones you can take. So it was probably either the brand or the form that you took it in. And also another thing to keep in mind too is that the capsule, in general, capsule or like a liquid will be a lot better for you and a lot easier and more absorbable than say like a hard, big, stuffed up pill like they condense down and you know add all these other additives to, to to make it hold its form. So a capsule where it's basically like you can open up the capsule and that's the contents of your pill, that's usually the best way to go, like a capsule or even a liquid as opposed to like a hard, big pill. And also, again, the, the form or the brand, like you want to stay away from those grocery store mainstream brands. I'd love to kind of move down the list and talk a little bit about the three-step technique you talked about for dealing with panic attacks. You know, I think that I love the advice of, of kind of instead of resisting it, inviting it in. And one of the things that I found really relevant for myself in terms of dealing with kind of anxiety or stress is the idea of, and this is just sort of a corny like phrase I came up with myself, but it's in, don't flee it, feel it which is kind of like, instead of running away from this feeling and being like, make it stop, make it stop, like I don't want to feel like this, just feel it and be with your body and experience it. And I've had a very similar kind of experience where when I do that, it kind of naturally, you, your body sort of experiences the stressful emotion and then it kind of just flows away. But I'd love to, you know, to hear a little bit more kind of about that technique and how you kind of stumbled upon it. Yeah, man. So, I stumbled upon the funny thing is is I, I read this little ebook, this short ebook. It was one of the first things I came across when I was trying to figure out how to get over my panic attacks. But the approach in it was just so counterintuitive and it seemed so crazy that I kind of just brushed it off and put it on sort of the back back of the bookshelf, so to speak. I mean it was an ebook. 
for like the next five, six months. And I didn't even like think about it until I had tried so many other things that didn't work. And then one day I'm in the middle of having a panic attack. And I was like, you know what? There was that other thing. Why not just, you know, screw it. I'm going to try this out. And, you know, lo and behold, it actually worked. So I stumbled upon it, you know, like I said, and I didn't think it was going to work. I tried it. And from that point forward, my life changed as far as like facing different fears, not being scared of doing different things that I'd been scared of in the past. And I like to always use this like example of shortly after this, maybe about a year or so after I'd sort of gotten over my panic attacks, gotten over my anxiety, I started hanging out with this friend of mine. And this is like a real life example of using this panic attack approach to ending any sort of fear. And I was hanging around this buddy of mine you know, we're going to this roller coaster park, this Six Flags theme park and in Mass and where, you know, where I'm from, Massachusetts. And my buddy's name's Bobby. And I tell Bobby before we go, you know, I just want to go there, sort of hang around, walk around, talk to some girls. You know, I'm single at the time and just kind of have fun. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to go on any rides. I hate roller coasters for the entirety of my life. Every single time I went on a roller coaster, I got immediately sick for like the next hour and a half and was throwing up profusely. And, you know, I just absolutely hated them. And I made it very clear to Bobby I was not going to go on a roller coaster. Long story short, you know, Bobby's like this daredevil type of guy. He's, you know, he jumps out of planes. He rides motorcycles like 180 miles an hour. He goes on all the craziest roller coasters in the world. Like he's just the definition of a nutcase daredevil. And he has no fears at all. So long story short, we're at the theme park. And fast forward about 30 minutes. And besides being a complete daredevil, Bobby also happens to be incredibly persuasive. So fast forward about 30 minutes and I find myself, unfortunately, sitting next to Bobby on a roller coaster. And it's not just any roller coaster, Matt. It's the worst one there. It's, it's like the bizarro one that goes like, I don't know, 100 miles an hour and drops like 300 feet after like the first couple seconds. Sitting next to Bobby, I look over at him and he's putting his hands up. He's yelling. He's swearing. He's acting like a complete jerk. And I look over at him. I'm like, you know, Bobby, at least, you know, calm down, man. We're both about to die. You know, at least save us some dignity before we both die. And, you know, he didn't mean it to be profound or anything, but he kind of looked over at me and said, you know, Justin, this is how you ride them. This is what you have to do. And like I said, I don't know if it was because I was sort of in this transitional period in my life and I just overcome anxiety, panic attacks, depression about a year before, but that day I just said, you know what, I'm going to try it. And I, so I started doing what Bobby was doing. I put my hands up. I started yelling, started screaming, started swearing. I'm acting like a complete fool. And we take off on the ride and you know, we get to the top, that first big drop, and we come flying down that first drop. And you know, I, I keep my hands up. I keep yelling, keep swearing, keep screaming. And lo and behold, for the first time in my life, I actually enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed the moment. And I went, you know, for the rest of the ride, the rest of the two minute ride, we're going up and down all sorts of loops and upside down turns and, you know, twists. And I'm yelling, I'm screaming, I'm laughing, I'm having a great time. And I get off the ride and I say, you know, Bobby, let's go, let's go on it again. And we ended up going on every single ride, every single roller coaster in that park, like five times that day. And, you know, for the first time in my life, I actually knew how to ride roller coasters. And it wasn't until a little afterwards that I realized what had happened. And what had happened was I faced my fears head on, I just totally exposed it for what it was, which was, you know, a concoction in my mind of all this projecting of what could potentially happen and all these negative things that might go wrong. But I exposed it for what it was, took it on, challenged it, basically asked for more of it. 
And this fear completely went away. And from that day forward, I knew how to ride roller coasters and how to have a good time doing it. That's a great story and a great allegory for you know how to deal with fear more broadly. For somebody who's listening that wants to kind of concretely implement some of the things we've been talking about, what's one simple piece of homework that you would give for them as kind of a place to start? I mean, it could be really any one of the steps that we mentioned, but I think maybe the the one, the easiest one to implement right now is to live in the present moment. You know, don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. Don't worry about, you know, worrying about the past or regretting things you missed out on or things you could have done or things you wish you'd done. Just live in what's happening right now. Like enjoy, enjoy life for what it is. Enjoy the moment. Enjoy what you have right now. A lot of the time, even I fall for this trap sometimes. A lot of the time we forget all the great things we have. Anyone who's listening to this podcast, you're a lot more lucky and you should be a lot more grateful than you probably are. If you're listening to a podcast, you're probably not in, you know, a third world country. You probably have electricity, heat, hot water, food, shelter. You have all these basic necessities, essentials that we take for granted every single day. And, you know, worrying about losing out on that job promotion or worrying about a girl that didn't text you back or worrying about a potential business failure happening in a couple months or next week or tomorrow or regretting things you missed out on in the past. That's all just negative self-talk and negative things that are leading to an unhappy and unfulfilled life. If you can just live in what's happening right now and appreciate some of the things you have, you're going to be a lot better off. Where can people find you online? You can check out either my website, EliteManMagazine.com, or my personal website, JustinStenstrom.com. Awesome. Well, Justin, this has been a fascinating conversation and some great, really practical advice. I love the eight-step process. I love you know kind of digging into a number of those different steps. We'll include everything you talked about in the show notes. We'll include links to your website and links to Elite Man. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you so much. It's been a fascinating conversation. Matt, thanks so much for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to The Science of Success. Listeners like you are why we do this podcast. The emails and stories we receive from listeners around the globe bring us joy and fuel our mission to unleash human potential. I love hearing from listeners. If you want to reach out, share your story, or just say hi, shoot me an email. My email is matt at scienceofsuccess.co. That's M-A-T-T at scienceofsuccess.co. I would love to hear from you and I read and respond to every listener email. The greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to a friend, either live or online. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us an awesome review and subscribe on iTunes. That helps more and more people discover the science of success. I get a ton of listeners asking, Matt, how do you organize and remember all this information? Because of that, we created an amazing free guide for all of our listeners. You can get it by texting SMARTER, that's S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222, or by going to scienceofsuccess.co, that's scienceofsuccess.co, and joining our email list. If you want to get all this incredible information, links, transcripts, everything we just talked about, and much more, be sure to check out our show notes. You can get them at scienceofsuccess.co, just hit the show notes button at the top. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Science of Success. 